Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. Because they put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. I don't really need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom. Oh, I'm sure there's some math. So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, landing a rocket on a drone ship is key. Charger, 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 <laughs> charger. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safety. Charger, charger, charger. <laughs> now, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. You don't even have I remember that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. <laughs> Robert Rosenblum, it is a very unusual talking Tesla in so much as it's a Saturday. It is a Saturday. Normally, we're here early Monday morning. Right. It's B in the afternoon. Right. It is. It is actually afternoon by about 24 minutes. And C, uh, we just spent like nine hours together yesterday, which is probably the most unusual of all of those things. Because me and you, this is the start, the beginning, the the launch, as it were, oh. of Talking Tesla 118. And yesterday we saw a launch, not a lunch, but a launch. No, which, we didn't have lunch. Which apparently you didn't actually even have to drive nine hours to get to, <laughs> <laughs> but we did anyway. Well, you did if you wanted to see the first couple minutes of the launch with the yeah. rumble, uh, the rumble in the jungle that is Lompoc. Right, and apparently I was periscoping uh, the launch. I mean, not apparently. I actually was periscoping the launch. But if you go and try to look at the video of it on our Twitter feed, it cuts off at, like, the very worst possible time. You see the ignition Mm. come over the mountain. Right. And then you see the cloud in the sky. I don't know what happened. I have no idea. But it was like— I think you lost signal at that time. You missed all the good stuff. Well, you know, the rumble was— Wonderful. The rumble was cool. I caught the rumble on my video, which I posted to YouTube late oh, last night. There you go. So you can go to my YouTube channel, which, you know, I should know it right off the top. This shows you that it's Bob. even though it's Bob at Bob the Builder dot <laughs> Bob at YouTube dot com. Yeah, nobody calls me Bob. Nobody? nobody. Is it because you don't like it? No, Bob grew up down the street. Bob. Bob was a very, you know, Bob and I were two different guys. And when you'd say Bob, you would mean Bob, okay, Robert from down the street. All right, let's get started. So this week, Mel put out a Patreon video. This here, pa- let me just give the name. It's oh, right okay, here. Okay, go ahead. The YouTube is called SpaceX Launch of Iridium-4 Satellite Cluster. I am not. That's the name of the video? <laughs> I thought of making it. There will it... be, at the end of the month, as many views as there are now, because no one will find that. My views will not exceed my syllables. Most people <laughs> cannot even spell Iridium. Well, most people in this room, anyways, and by most, I mean half of us. Well, you could look at my, my YouTube uh, channel is Robert at Talking Tesla with an A-T, not an at symbol. So. Oh. That's so confusing. Even more confusing. <laughs> okay, whole, I better fix it all. Your social media presence is just a mess. And mostly because we have yet to give you the keys to the Talking Tesla Twitter. Yeah, somebody pointed out they couldn't believe that you actually were in charge of that. <laughs> and then I I had second and third and fourth doubts myself. <laughs> hey, 
I think yes. I do a pretty good job with it. So yeah. how dare you? I like the recent poll you put up. Thank you. Yeah, that's pretty good. But let's get we'll get to that. We're okay. going to get to that in a second. So we're not going to jump the shark. Let's talk about the Patreons. First off, it's a holiday season. We would like to send more seasonal greetings to all of you Patreons who put your hard-earned money towards the ridiculousness that we produce week in and week out it on is, this show. Yeah, we do great. it for the love of doing it, we'd make it entertaining as we possibly can because otherwise, why would you listen to us? Why would we? Why would I listen to you if it wasn't <laughs> right? entertaining? That's a good point, too. That's for sure. And so Mel uh, put out a video talking about the Model 3's battery range. And so yes. recently, Tesla announced yeah. 70% of range after 100,000 miles is what they will warranty. So if you drive your Model 3 100,000 miles, and yes. at the end of that time, you have less than 70% of your original range. Right. So maybe if you, when you get your Model 3, take a picture yeah. of your range on day one. Exactly. You'll yeah. get a new battery. Gratis. Yes. Gratis. And this, is, and this comes from Tesla now having to deliver or wanting to deliver Model 3s uh -huh. to non-Tesla employees. So they actually have to generate a warranty. Oh. <laughs> Whatever. And, and a user's manual oh. and other documentation that uh -huh. would be expected by Joe who walks off the street Joe. to buy a car. Good old Joe walking off the street. Right. So this car. is sort of like consumer protection issues. Mm -hmm. Coming into play and people now, you know, reading the fine print. How, mm -hmm. how, when was the last time you read the fine print on a warranty for a car you bought? There's fine print. When's the last time you opened a bottle of ibuprofen and read that label? Yeah. Well, Doesn't... I actually do that for a living. So have yeah. you read it? Ibuprofen yeah. specifically yeah. recently? Yeah, probably. That's crazy. Yeah. Your job's very cool. Well, you know, it, everything <laughs> is about details. Yeah. And if you're if right. you're good at your job and, you know, you're invested in your job, you're invested in the details of your job. But someone else's job, like who wrote the warranty <laughs> for my Model S, who the F knows? Right. I mean, they could hide stuff in there. And that's yeah. why I like Tesla. I just feel mm -hmm. in my in my heart, my heart <laughs> of hearts that I can trust them because they do yeah. the right thing. That's nice. That's that's an adorable holiday message. So also another update. Uh, young Ryan at uh, UCLA is yeah. doing much better, thankfully. So we're very grateful for that. Mel mm -hmm. is taking extremely good care of him. All the docs in the Marrow program at UCLA are taking very good care of him. The folks in the ICU are taking very good care of him. And he is responding positively to all of that good thought. Yeah. And and we're going to hear from Mel about this? We are going to hear from Mel a little bit. And how about now? Okay, let's, let's do it now. Mel? Mel? Give us the download. Are you here? Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of Talking Tesla Land, it's Mel Herbert here. I wanted to have a quick shout out to say, first of all, give you some updates. Um, I haven't been on the show for a number of weeks. Uh, it's been a really crazy time for those of you that remember. There's a family of seven Kenyans living with us. Two of the boys are getting bone marrow transplants at UCLA uh, for sickle cell disease, which is a terminal disease by the age of five or ten in Kenya and in the rest of Africa. So they're here at UCLA getting this procedure, and Ryan was first up, and he got so sick. It just was terrible, terrifying, horrible to see this little two-year-old in the ICU with everything failing, everything. But I got good news. He's come out the other side, which is just stunning. It is truly miraculous that he's come out the other side. It's a miracle of modern science and maybe a miracle of other things as well. But he's still with us. It's amazing. So I'm still busy. He'll be in the hospital for at least another month. 
Um, and so we're playing with the format of the show. I think the guys are doing a fantastic job. I'm still able to do Patreon videos and other interesting things, which we'll be throwing up on uh, the Talking Tesla YouTube site. So uh, just a word to you all. Thank you for everybody that's been asking about uh, Ryan and for even those people who have been offering to help. I mean, what a, what a great bunch of people that you are. So without further ado, be-do, be-do, be-do. Let's get uh, to the show and the boys for some banter and some Tesla that does talk. Thanks, Mel, for that update. Robert? I'm still lingering. I'm still lingering on the jellyfish in the sky. You're lingering on it? I don't even know what that means. It feels like not the right use of that word in this particular moment. But yesterday we went to Vandenberg, me and you. Yes. We drove to Lompoc Airport. We met up with some amazing listeners that joined us out there. Yeah, from like Arizona and and Santa Cruz and Far East. Like, uh, where was it? Like San Bernardino or Riverside? Seattle. One gentleman was driving around. So pretty cool. Awesome to see everybody there. We thank you for coming out. There wasn't the big SpaceX crew like I had experienced in the past. No. And that's unfortunate because the viewing of the Iridium 4 compared to the Iridium, I think it was Iridium 2 that I saw uh-huh. with the SpaceX crew, was so much more spectacular. But I'll tell you this, I know why. I guessed why. I just thought of why. Tell me. Because they knew, unlike us, that they were going to be able to see it from Hawthorne and they didn't have to drive to Lombok. They were like, this is, this is fine. I'm going to see all the good stuff just by going outside and with my SpaceX cup and my SpaceX beef jerky. Yeah. And I'm just going to go and see all of the good stuff. It was an amazing trip. Yeah. In fact, for us, we may actually have had a great view at the beginning, and you can see it in our YouTubes, yeah. with the rocket taking off and the rumble, beautiful sunset. Yeah. It was really quite a beautiful sight, that mm-hmm. place where we were at. Yeah. And then the rocket sort of turned south, kind of butt end towards us. Mm-hmm. And we didn't see the amazing jellyfish that was seen across all of Southern California Even as far away as Phoenix? Yeah, we only saw it via social media like most of the world. Yeah. And uh, I was looking last night at all of these YouTubes. People were really freaked out about this. Uh, Yeah, because if you weren't aware that this was happening, and most people probably weren't, you would have been like, what is happening? Excuse me. Uh... A 911, uh, there's a thing in the air, in the space, and one of them seems to be falling. In, sp- in, the, in the YouTubes that I, I flipped through, I saw people, like, thinking, of course, yeah, it's a UFO. Yeah. First thing people go to. Like, of course. Most likely, uh, versus the fact that there's a rocket launching pad in, mm-hmm. you know, western part of California. Yeah. And then That's people true. were saying that it was a giant jellyfish in the sky. It wasn't that either. They thought it was a North Korean nuclear attack. Yeah, it wasn't that either, thankfully. Yeah, yeah thankfully. thankfully. But lots of videos, really cool to see. And uh, for us, yeah, like I said, lingering. The yeah. beauty of it is still lingering with me. You're, you're basking in the glow. And you had made a note here Mm -hmm. about this phenomenon. Yeah, that's true. I did make The twilight phenomenon. The twilight phenomenon. Yeah, that's what they call it when what what everybody was seeing is, so it was dark. The sky that we saw was dark because the sun had set. But the rocket, stage one and two separation, all the plume and stuff like that, were about 200 miles up and being illuminated by the sun and that is what everybody was seeing, and that's what made it so spectacular right. was that the the big old fission reactor 
Not really. The big old fusion reactor. Oh, you're talking about the sun. Yeah. Not the SpaceX rockets. Yeah. Uh, yeah, fission. Fission reactor. In the sky. In the sky. The four billion year old fission reactor was illuminating the whole thing for everyone, which made it more spectacular than it would have been, say, otherwise. But so that is, yes, that's called the twilight I have phenomenon. to be honest, though. Mm-hmm. When I was watching it with you, mm-hmm. and we were looking at the rocket, like I said, from the butt end, mm-hmm. when the stage one, they actually uh, brought the engine intensity down as they passed through max Q. That's the maximum pressure on the vehicle mm-hmm. to kind of, I guess, uh, take some of that pressure off. And then they re-flared the rocket. So I saw this dimming and then like poofing out. And I thought, oh, darn, is that blowing up? Yeah. And then when they turned engine one off on, I should say the nine engines on, yeah. on, on the uh, stage, stage one. one off, and then they separated and the Merlin engine on stage two flared up and started firing. Again, it looked like this big yeah. explosion. Big and I plume. thought, again, oh, and nobody was screaming around me. Everybody was calm. It looked like the 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 vehicles and then like the first stage did a backflip and got blasted by the Merlin engine. Yeah. And that looked really different than usual. It was cool. Multiple times. Mm-hmm. I was very <laughs> concerned. They had it all under control, Robert. The big plume totally. that everybody saw yeah. was interesting because that was from the single Merlin engine with the giant bell on it from yes. stage two. Yes. That has since released its iridium satellites into the the orbit. Yeah, and there, if you watch the SpaceX feed, in other words, the SpaceX show, I'll call it that, they do a cutaway to the, I think it's the CEO of Iridium. Yeah. And he explained that, you know, they're putting up these 65 satellites mm-hmm. to, you know, make their system even better. 75. Well, he said 65. I'm not sure. I, yeah, I understand. There's, the there's array, uh, the information is is inconclusive then because everything I've read is 75. But right. he's the CEO. Maybe he's like, eh, you know what, we can kill the last 10. And so he said that they realized while they were doing this that they had still room mm-hmm. to carry these two extra modules. And this is the Arion? Arion. I can't remember the yes. name. But what they've done is they've put this package on every one of the Iridium satellites mm-hmm. that can locate jets. Uh, intercontinental and, and, you know, basically large commercial aircraft yeah. 24-7. Normally, they're only easily located while they're over land. That's true. Where there are active ra- radar stations. But mm-hmm. once they go over large bodies of water, they have to call in their coordinates every 10 or 15 minutes. Right. And this is what leads to, you know, big speculation and searches for airplanes when they go down because we don't know where they are. And this will now enable all those airplanes to be identifiable in the moment, all the time. Right. Once it's up and running, all the satellites are going, the FAA will approve it, and all planes will be tracked everywhere, all time. So hopefully we will never lose another jetliner. They added another element, another uh, piece of technology that will track ships all across the globe. Thank goodness. Amazing. This is great. Yeah. Uh, as long as Cyberdyne doesn't get a hold of the controls... Oh, God, you and the Cyberdyne again. Did that well, just happen? No, you just got to be mindful. All right. So, anyways, great launch. Thanks for driving. Thanks again to everybody for coming up. Uh, we had a good, amazing time. Hopefully, we'll be able to do it again. I would say uh, the next Twilight launch, I don't know when it is, out of Vandenberg, we should go. 
I hope they plan the Falcon Heavy launch to be at the same hour of the evening. They will, because Elon even said something about it the, the today or yesterday. He said, if you think that was spectacular, where do you see the Falcon Heavy at, at night? Yeah. So that'll be cool. Yeah, that'll be pretty amazing. And so this, uh, I'm glad everybody watched our Twitter feed and check out my, my messages on Twitter. Uh-huh. This has been a big week for Twitter, hasn't yeah, it? Big week for Twitter. We've had a poll running. It's still running. And what I realized today is that nobody can see the results of that and except for me until it closes. Uh-huh. So somebody, you can give us sort of like uh, somebody sent exit us a polling yeah. details. <laughs> exit polling details, if I can. It was not only a big week on Twitter for us, but for one Elon Musk as yeah, well. He's had a busy Twitter week. In fact, there was activity on Twitter that makes me feel more comfortable inside because I struggle with the technology. I still haven't edited multiple videos. I still haven't edited even audio tracks that I have recorded, and hopefully uh, we'll get one into the show tonight. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. We'll see. And so evidently Elon wanted to talk to uh, a fellow who is connected with Oculus. Those guys make the virtual reality goggles over there. Those are cool. I wonder what Elon wanted with it. If it was, you know, this was John Carmack. I wonder if he just wanted some like more up to date goggles because he's got some game he likes to play. Elon's got several things in the works that could benefit from virtual reality goggles, like Dragon Crew capsules, right? Virtual right. reality goggles as as displays for the astronauts. A little more heads up. A little less. Stuff attached to the inside of the capsule, potentially. Right. Potentially. Right. The boring company is going to be making transportation. Maybe that would be a better way. You get in your seat, you put on your goggles, and then you right. can watch movies or whatever. So there are some or, potential self-driving vehicles, right? The if and when we hear anything new about the Model 3 ride-sharing service that's right. only been mentioned that one time. Yeah. Maybe you put some Oculus glasses in your car. Mm-hmm. Model 3 pulls up. You throw them on. Tap into your Netflix account on your phone and just enjoy your day. Or put them on your grandmother who can't stand being in a self-driving car and trick her into seeing a driver in the front seat. Right. However, if you're Elon Musk and you want to talk to the CEO of Oculus, what you don't want to do is tweet your actual cell phone number. You have conquered God (laughs) mode. Yeah. So evidently Elon put or someone put Elon's phone number out 800-613-8840. That's not Elon's phone number. So Elon had on his phone machine a message from the video game creator of God of War. Okay. And that 800 number that you just gave out is that same message that somebody has put up on a non-Elon number. So, like, you can call that number, whichever it is, and somebody has recreated that. Thinking like I am calling Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not. You can pretend and you can wait for him to answer, but it's not going to happen. That's not actually his phone number. It's actually a very long message. I didn't actually call it and listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) Sure you didn't. But I thought, wow, what the hell am I listening to? This sounds like a video game. It is a video game. But so, yes, Elon tweeted his phone number. Not a good thing. Elon also went on a bit of a Twitter rant in response to something that happened on December 14th. He was at a tech conference and he made some comment about public (laughs) transportation. And I quote, I think public transport is painful. It sucks. Why do you want to get on something with a lot of other people that doesn't leave when you want it to leave, doesn't start when you want it to start, and doesn't end when you want it to end, and also it doesn't go all the time? Make some good points. However, Jarrett Walker, 
tweeted a response saying, Elon Musk's hatred of sharing space with strangers is a luxury or pathology that only the rich can afford. Oh. To which Elon replied, you're an idiot. Just pretty, straight up, pretty you're an terse. Idiot. That's it. No right. hashtags. No, no hashtag. <laughs> and a couple people, you know, commented to Elon, that's not a good way to have a nice back and forth conversation. And then Elon, he doubled down. <laughs> he really did. He wrote, idiots can be very dangerous when they seem smart, but aren't. Having PhD in their bio is a dead giveaway. That's just mean spirited is what that is. As some policymakers may get fooled. And then he responded, that's what bothered me about that human cat meme transit expert in quotes. Ouch. And at the end of it, he wanted to make sure that no one felt like he was really angry. So he made one last comment saying, I love Twitter. (laughs) <laughs> and then, and then I think he, and then there was news that uh, he was thinking of buying Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and all of this comes via an article in Business Insider by Mark Matusek. So very, very funny stuff from Elon. Yeah, all in the. I don't know. I would like to say the spirit of the holidays, but... No, I think it's more in the spirit of our current political you know, climate. But the thing is, if Elon didn't think public transportation sucked, and it was, and it didn't suck. In a lot of ways, he wouldn't be working on trying to make it better. Yeah, and he right? could be working on something else more important, like Oculus glasses for us on our trip to Mars, so uh-huh. we can pretend like oh, we're on Earth. That's another thing he needs them for is yeah. for the trip to Mars. He got so many uses for the Oculus glasses. Yeah, over I'd, love, there. I'd love. It's like the holodeck uh, yeah. example. You know, I want to lay on the beach yeah. in Maui mm-hmm. uh, with not too much wind. Yeah, not too much sun. He was really just trying to get an Oculus for his kids for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it was none of the others. Can't stuff. I get the red and white yeah. Oculus? Yeah, he's like these things are sold out everywhere, man. Can you call me? I need some help. I've never tried one. Have you tried one? I have not. I've wore Google Cardboard. Yeah, I did that. Very different. Yeah. It's cool, but... One of the schools my son applied to, they sent him mm-hmm. a box mm-hmm. with no instructions. And it took him a little while. I don't know if I would have figured it out so quick, but he unfolded and refolded and got the box right. And uh-huh. then it had a slot. You put your phone in it. Yeah. You go to a website that was on that's the box. Cardboard. And you go and do a walkthrough of the school. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Other schools are sending all kinds of posters and crap. Stupid posters. So then, Robert, you made a boo-boo last week about your boring company slash Culver City thing. So this will yes. be the part of the show we'll call uh, errors and omissions and repairs. Repairs by Robert. Only by Robert because I don't make errors, omissions, or repairs needed. So Yeah, last week we talked about the Culver City City Council. I already got some tweets and messages that folks are going to show up. Mm-hmm. And they're going to, the the boring company is going to make a presentation to the council, the city council, mm-hmm. to gain their permission mm-hmm. to bore under Culver City. To make Culver City boring? Well, Culver City is not a boring no, town. It's got a lot of cool exciting. stuff. A lot yeah. of I just ate at a new restaurant there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Primal Kitchen, very so, good. So to be so, sure, the date is it is January twenty second. Mm-hmm. Now that number twenty two is going to come up again in this show. Oh, good. Just want to let you know. Super excited. Not only is twenty two my favorite number, my lucky number. Wow. But the meeting is on January twenty second mm-hmm. at seven p.m. at the City Council. Chambers in 
Culver City. Culver City. So city a lot home. of city. You have to say a lot, <laughs> a lot of, city. of city things. But there yeah. is a link that you can post your comments. So if you happen to be in Nova Scotia, like our first person who watched on our Twitter uh, Periscope yesterday. That's true, Nova Scotia. And, you know, Nova Scotia is a long way from Culver City, although Culver City is a lot more pleasant this time of year than Nova Scotia yeah. as far as temperature goes. Also, Culver City is a very long way from Nova Scotia. They're almost equidistant from each other, like Nova Scotia to Culver City, Culver City to Nova Scotia. It's like basically mm. the same trip. Right. Let's move on. Yeah. So lots of good stuff happening as far as semis are concerned. So they announced a semi. How long has it been now, Robert? Five weeks, maybe? Yeah, the semi. I, I should have it here on my... What was that reveal date thing that we were into? At this point, they got their first European order of the 16th semis. 16th of November. So November 16th. So just so about five, five weeks. weeks. Just yeah. about five weeks. That was pretty good memory by moi. Five weeks and two days, you're right. Yeah, so anywho. When are you wrong? I, uh, I can't remember. I'm going to have to make it, a bet on that. I mean, it, it happens. It happens quite a bit. So it's been another pretty big week for Tesla in terms of semi-orders. Yes. Norway, first European order from Osco in Norway. Osco. They ordered 10 electric semi-trucks. Tor Becken, the CEO of Osco Norway, says they still need to know more about the truck than what we do today before we conclude the order. But it has been the case with Tesla passenger cars uh, as well. So we're curious and excited, and we hope this will trigger other manufacturers to bet on electric trucks or hydrogen trucks well, in the time to come. They're talking there about the Nikola truck. Yeah. And that's the one that runs on hydrogen fuel cells or uh, or actually nat there was natural gas in mm -hmm. it. And they were doing various versions to try and right. boost the mileage on it. But they didn't have the battery tech that Tesla has. Right. And then UPS, mm -hmm. biggest order to date. Yeah, 125 from Ooh, Tesla Rate. That's pretty sweet. I love this. This is – we're going into the – 500 range yeah. of Tesla semis. They're getting up there. And, you know, I don't know how that compares with the Model 3 when they announced Model 3 and they said at the end of the day, oh my God, there's like 120,000 orders. And then by the end of the week, it was 400 and yeah. some odd thousand orders. And they at Tesla, I know talking to people up the chain of command at Tesla, I know that they had this oh moment yeah. when they realized we're going to have to make a lot of freaking yeah. cars. Now they got to make them. And then they got to figure gotta out how to make them. freaking trucks. They figure out how to make them profitable. So we're hoping, we had this conversation yesterday, we're hoping in the next meeting, quarterly report uh, for investors meeting that they talk a little bit more in detail about their R&D budget because I'm curious how much money they put into the development of this semi and how many units specifically of this they have to build to break even, uh, we may never know. They we did find out they had about an eight hundred and ninety-seven million dollar R and D budget last it's year, pretty which big, is I, pretty sizable. I hope they they are, they're having good coffee with some of that money. Yeah, but to go back to the UPS thing, so UPS bought one hundred and twenty-five. They already have an aggressive alternative fuel fleet vehicles, right? Yeah, they have the largest alternatively fueled vehicle fleet in the United States. Hundreds of electric, hybrid electric, natural gas, propane, and biofuel vehicles already in operation. And according to UPS, over 8,500 alt-fuel vehicles deployed globally, which is a pretty big number. That's a lot. 
And just to give you a big general idea, UPS Freight Brokerage Service alone has over 5,500 vehicles and 21,000 trailers. So they could potentially be a very, very big market for this. Next on the agenda from the Electrekkers is... This Tesla station wagon for the Model S. Well, now, Europeans love station wagons. You're saying station wagon, but I say shooting brake. Yeah, okay. Or a state <laughs> wagon. So in the UK, the what we in the US call a station wagon, what them in the UK call a shooting brake and also an estate wagon. Yes. And a lot of the and, little Volvos kind of fit into this category. They like, instead of, we like SUVs because we want to carry our big stuff in. Right. But in Europe, they like a little bit of a smaller profile of a vehicle. So they like the estate or shooting brake. Yeah, so this is really great. This is from Remitz Car. This is the first company to achieve, and a number of companies have been working on this, a Tesla Model S conversion to a station wagon. And so they've created the station wagon. I've thrown a picture in here since you can't see it. It looks very sleek. It looks like it would come from Tesla. I think it's really quite, quite good looking. And so the car can be reproduced. They made a lot of these parts out of carbon fiber to keep the weight down. And I don't think they add much weight to this enlarged Model S. I'm just curious to know how many people will actually pay like an additional $25,000. I don't know what the price is, but I'm just guessing on top of 115000 to 150000 for their Tesla Model S to be turned into a shooting brake. As you know, Robert, there's a lot of people who love their vehicles and yeah. are willing to spend to have what they want in those vehicles. That's true. If you want a Model S, you want a sport electrification, and you need a station wagon, and you can afford it, you're going to buy yourself a shooting brake Tesla Model S. Shooting brake. So that's so that you had extra room in your vehicle for your long guns that's, that's and what your it dogs says. Yeah. and the brake, maybe a Dutch word that means cart or carriage. So. Which, which Dutch word? From Holland? Brick. B you want to get into that again? Brick. You want to get into the Holland thing again? Well, no. Holland is a part of the Netherlands. No, that's not. No, we need to stop now. All right, Robert. It's that time of the show. We're trying to jam through this in the holiday spirit. Yeah, because the people who work for Talking Tesla, many of us, without compensation, we do it for the love, uh -huh. but we don't have enough love to <laughs> no, spend our... No, I won't let you do that. I no. won't let you denigrate it by doing that. We just want to do it quickly because this is a Christmas episode. Christmas Eve is tomorrow. If it we is. want to get it out, I mean, That's somebody's right. going to be working on Christmas on this episode. We don't want that. So remember that when you're thinking about clicking the Patreon button that we work on Christmas. Yeah. I mean, I know we're two Jewish guys, if, so it doesn't really yeah, matter. But, but, the, but the editors and yeah, the masters yeah. and the masters of the universe. The masters of the universe. So, Robert, it. I look at the supercharger update on this thing, and it is massive. It I had is to shrink very, it down twice. Very, very, very long. We have how many new superchargers have opened? It's that magic number. What? 22. Oh, it's your magical lucky number. That's, That's what right. you meant earlier. It's coming together. Yeah. So looking at the Supercharge Info website, this is a massive week. We have 22 new superchargers, which include three in Canada, three in the United States, two in Korea, two in Hungary, notably the first two superchargers in Hungary. Oh, that's uh, cool. Two in Norway, a China, a Netherlands, not Dutch, not Holland. But it could be in Holland. I didn't look back. 
Japan, the United Kingdom, United Arab Emirates, Austria, Australia, Finland, Sweden, and Italy. Wow. Though, I'm going to talk in a moment about how many supercharger plugs that actually translates to. Construction, we have four superchargers who've been noted to have gone into construction. One in Canada, Poland, the United States, and New Zealand. CC, I know you're in New Zealand. It's in Palmerston North. I don't know if you've seen it. Some digging going on there in New Zealand and I don't expect you would go look for it because you're on vacation. There's two that went into permit, one in the U.S. and one in Canada. The U.S. permit is in Carlsbad, California, famous for Legoland. Yeah. And also a very sort of um, a supercharger lacking route between L.A. and San Diego. I'm glad that Tesla is paying attention to that because it used to be very difficult or or I would say frustrating to get your Tesla from L.A. to San Diego, especially if you had a like a 60 or a 75 car that needed some charge when you left. This way, we're going to have a lot more supercharger choice on the way. Uh, thanks again to supercharge.info. If you do get any new information, thanks for tweeting me. I'm getting lots of tweets on new superchargers, but also do send a note to supercharge.info. So where are we? You know, Tesla back in the summer said they were going to double the U.S. supercharger locations or plugs, and they were going to aim for 10,000 superchargers by the end of the year. Wow. It's the 23rd. We are one week and a day from the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Where do we stand? I don't know. Where do we stand, Robert? We stand at 8,248 plugs. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good pop of the goal, right? I guess if I round up, that would be 83%, which is like a solid B. Right. And you're talking about 8,300 for 150,000 or so cars Mm -hmm. worldwide. Right. So that's, you know, what? A few cars for every plug. Yeah, There's a math thing in there somewhere, I'm sure, that I probably should have done before bringing up that number. But there you have it. I will predict, however, that there will be quite a few negative Tesla articles. What? Yeah. yeah I'm so... I'm so. Oh, because they didn't in, reach their goal. Because they didn't reach their goal. But I'm so impressed with how people can turn any Tesla topic yeah. negative mm-hmm. for a news story. Yeah. I mean, there aren't 8,300 CCS chargers and also... No one has a goal of building 10,000 CCS chargers, <laughs> right? Like no one's no one's being aspirational about this except for Volkswagen, who's being aspirational uh, at the whip. And I don't know of any CCS charger. I don't use CCS chargers, honestly, but I don't know of any that will give you electricity at cost. Like superchargers. Uh, no. Yeah. Or for free in your case. Well, that's true. But I mean, like, let's be realistic comparing apples to apples. You know, the price that you pay to charge your car on the road, if it's not a municipally supported plug or a employer supported plug, is typically going to cost you more than it would cost you to charge up at home. Yeah, it sure is. Um, We talked about SpaceX launch. We talked about the Twilight phenomenon. We got the next SpaceX launch, which is coming on January 4th. Just giving everybody a heads up. It's a secret. What? It's that secret Zuma launch. Oh, it's not a secret. You're going to give people the information, but the launch is, what's in the launch is a secret. Yeah, it's some sort of spy satellite. Oh. That's sort of a catch-all. I could say UFO. And is this a Vandenberger or a Canaveral-ish? Yeah, it's a Launch Complex 40. 
So they're going to launch from the other site, not where they're going to launch the Falcon Heavy, I believe. Oh, 39. So we'll watch for that on the 4th. We'll give an update on the next show. And what that means, in case you're not paying attention, is that's going to be in Cape Canaveral in Florida is the next SpaceX launch. Yeah. And that'll be probably a nice one to watch. I don't know if they're going to recover anything. You know, typically the government, they pay full fare. They don't want any uh, straggling energy. (laughs) They they don't want anything extra on that flight that could jeopardize their mission. And, okay, as we record this, there are no fewer than three bottles of alcohol on this table. Yeah. And so this will segue nicely into a fun little story from Ars Technica about the history of alcohol and space. Yeah, this was a great article, only because I found it really funny. You know, there was no alcohol at our Vandenberg SpaceX launch. As far as you know. That's true. But I didn't see anybody passing any booze around. I don't know. Did you? Oh, you might have had a beer afterwards. I was sans alcohol. And I am sort of mano a mano with NASA when it comes to space launching and alcohol. NASA continues to have a no alcohol policy for orbit. I like how they're being specific about that. (laughs) For orbit only. Like, there could be alcohol in the uh, launch room where all the Uh engineers are trying to... uh, Hey, Joe! My guess uh, is there's a no alcohol policy there You think so? They're not saying it specifically. But, like, the bars just outside the gates, there's definitely a pro-alcohol policy. However, Apollo 8 command module, historically, astronauts are a little... Freewheeling. Freewheeling, as it were. And these guys, back in the day, Apollo 8, they were the sort of like, uh, what do they call those pilots who were the test pilots? There was a Crazy? Crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they brought some brandy up. Mm -hmm. Well, so they tried to. Apollo 8 command module pilot James Lovell and lunar module pilot of Apollo 8, William Anders, became the first crew to travel below Earth orbit and see the far side of the moon were also what we're referring to as the first astro-alcohol pioneers. They flew over the Christmas holiday once, Apollo 8 did, and NASA wanted its crew to have a proper meal. Right. So they sent with dehydrated bacon cubes and turkey gravy stuffing tied to a fireproof ribbon and warmed by a hot air gun. (laughs) By the way, that sounds terrible. And they were going to send them up with three little bottles of Coronet brandy. Yeah. But the commander of this mission, Borman, said, no way, Jose's. He doesn't want to blame the brandy. He said, if there is a problem with this spaceship, they're going to blame the brandy. And they're probably right. So he confiscated all of those bottles but all three of them still have these bottles of brandy in a little one of them there was a little zipped up bag and it had a letter saying this is the bottle of brandy that i was going to bring so that's a collector's item that's pretty cool i would say i would like to have some of that apollo brandy however i think it still tastes good as always happens with these things when you think about people like buzz aldrin apollo 11 was like you know what you're not gonna do it we're gonna do it We're going to show you how it's done. Buzz Aldrin took some wine and bread from his church and celebrated communion in space, Robert. Yeah. Amazing. 
pretty cool. And then... Yeah, then they also argued that, you know, no meal is truly complete without some wine. Yeah. And they were planning to take wine up to Skylab, which was one of the first <laughs> space stations that was permanently in orbit. Yeah. But there was, uh, the manager said there is, quote, no basic requirement for such a beverage. No basic requirement. And then he sent out like this very formal letter yes. about with all this information on it. But there is an international space station and we've been talking about NASA and its lack of alcohol. Right. There are other nations in the space stations. Yes. That don't quite have potentially the same sort of rigid standards. Can you say vodka? <laughs> so there is, uh, by all accounts, some vodka on the Russian side. Yeah. And maybe every once in a while, the Americans go and hang out over there. And uh, as you know, what happens on the Russian segment stays in the Russian segment. Yeah. And this is unfortunate for you because your drink of choice includes tonic water, which has bubbles, which it's makes true. it buoyant and And I did not shy. know this, but you can't use bubbly drinks in space. Yeah. You need to have some sort of fake gravity situation in order for the bubbles to not just clump together in the middle. And <laughs> <laughs> so, they've said that creating a rotating deck on a space station is quite a lot of work for a gin and tonic. Yeah. And I say uh, it's, it's not. It's worth it. Yeah, let's make it happen. Do it. People. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm not going. Hello, oh. Elon. Are you? If you're listening, yeah. I know you're listening, Elon. The hat salesman. Got to have a rotating deck for the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just don't turn up the techno music too loud for me. Please. <laughs> oh, I love the techno music with the gin and tonics. A little bit of news from the Boring Company. Not a whole lot, but I will tell you this: I'm still waiting for my hat. Ow, Elon. I actually looked at the Boring Company's route in Maryland that they're planning. So the news came out on this. Mm -hmm. um, I'm flipping it here to this map. That's not the map. I have so much crap opened up on my computer. It's unbelievable. But the bottom line is the route for Maryland's Boring Company is set. They're going from this like clover intersection of a, of a highway area, downtown Baltimore. It looks really cool. I'm going to send out that map in a tweet just to spice everybody up for our next show. Ooh, spicy. Well, let's get on to letters, eh? Hey. Hoser. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The first letter comes from can Robert. I, can I just tell the, the listeners that we were discussing mm -hmm. the possibility yeah. of doing an entire Talking Tesla show in Canadian. I think it started with you saying we should translate the whole show in Mandarin. Yes. To take advantage of all of the Chinese being the largest EV market. Yes. I think you might be right. So here's what I'll say. If you're listening to this show. Yes. You're a native fluent Mandarin speaker. And an EV enthusiast. And an EV enthusiast. And you feel like spending the next 150 years of your life translating 118 <laughs> Talking Tesla episodes, some of which are incredibly long, but all of which are entertaining entertaining and full of fake facts, <laughs> <laughs> then please feel free to send us a message and we will yeah. see what we can do. That would be a lot of fun. But if you speak Canadian, good on you. Hoser. 
don't call them hosers, man. They don't what does like hoser that. mean? I have a lot of hen- It's a bad uh, word. Yeah, it's like, it, it kind of means like whatever, jerk or whatever. Oh, so CC won't have to bleep it out. No. But the Canadians will turn us off now. Yeah, that's not cool, but man. We have I had a lot Canadians. of Canadian friends, man. Yeah. These are my people. I like Canada. Yeah. You should. It's a lovely place. One of the coldest summer days I spent was a week in Montreal. Wow. I'm telling you, man. (laughs) So Robert Owens writes us one question. Do you remember the Walmart semi-truck? And I said, when I looked at this, oh, my God, I won my bet. Because I bet Tom that we would see a Tesla truck emblazoned with somebody's uh, advertising, I uh-huh. bought a Tesla truck, yeah. and I didn't realize for maybe a split second mm-hmm. that this is not the Tesla Semi in this picture. And what I'll describe to you is this really futuristic, beautiful-looking, single-front-seat truck, but it has a door that opens up almost like a Lamborghini, and it's a Semi, and it's a Walmart Semi-truck, and the interior view is not too different than a Tesla with lots of glass, two screens, one on either side of the driver. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... Single center seat. Yeah. It's a nice... It's not quite as... It feels more Winnebago than Tesla on the inside. I don't know, man. But still, cool. I wonder if uh, Tesla pulled some uh, design ideas off of this truck. It looks... It's hard to tell from one of these photos that were sent, but it looks like there's a front driver's seat and a rear couch. Which the Tesla truck did not have. Wow. If you zoom in to the picture, you will see a little little sofa bed looking thing. Yeah, behind in the back. It. Mm-hmm. That's the bench seat for whatever your kids. For me or... and you to hang out and be like, you're not, are you going that way? Are you going that way? Right. Are you going that way? So if you have one of these Walmart concept trucks and you want me and Robert to sit in the back seat annoying you for two or three hours, also send us a message. Yeah. We're cool with that. It's a cool looking truck. The next letter comes from Tim James. And it's a letter's response is the subject of this letter. This is uh, the Aussie guy who sent us uh, pictures and or info about his solar system and his power wall. And he didn't mention that he charges his car, I guess, off the net because he only gets charged a dollar per day for charging. I think you got all of that wrong. Okay. So this guy, (laughs) Tim... Is sending us a letter about the Aussie guy okay. who had the Powerwall and the solar system and said he probably didn't mention it because there's a company that will let you charge as much as you want for $365 a year. In Australia. $1 a day in Australia. Yes. Very similar information, but okay. like the key details, <laughs> you seem to have taken a little bit of a Mel Herbert tack to reading the the letters. The people Mel. take the time to write the letters, <laughs> take the time to comprehend the letters, and maybe life will be better for all of us. You know, I'm 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 showing Tom my little Tesla. Yeah, that's great. Robert. Cleaner for my glasses. It's so a maybe radio that's the show. Problem. It's a radio. Maybe that's show. the problem. I need to clean my glasses. Okay, good. As I look at this, please. The words just don't. Can we move on, please? Yes. All right. What does Mike have to Mike say? Mike Martin has a question, a note, a message about the charging rate. He says, thank you. He found a large envelope in the mail and was surprised to find an autographed talking Tesla sticker. Woo-woo. How did he get an autographed talk? Oh, he won a thing. That's right. 120 kilowatts. Nice. Woo. Okay. So now his wife is convinced he's a Tesla fanboy. Not yes. the message sending us a picture of his charging rate. Right. Not buying the Model S. None of that put her over the top. But an autograph sticker from us has basically dropped him over the edge of Tesla fanboyness. 
which, uh, you know what? That's cool. I'm all right with that. <sighs> he also he wants, yeah. says for you to not feel bad about the configuration email right. because he's not going to get his for a year. I'm I'm channeling Canadian, actually. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you. I'm yeah. with y'all. He asked a question about still the app. Still no news, still no emails. He asked a question about the phone app as yes. well. I don't know if he's referring to the iPhone app or the Android yeah. app. I have no idea. But it what I will say matter. is my, my phone app, my Tesla app, I don't get kicked out of it. He's asking if I ever get kicked out and have to re-enter the password Mike, on the app specifically. Mike, did you take your car in for service? Because if you did, mm-hmm. they typically do resets. And it knocks you off of the yeah. app, and so you need to just put in your... Well, he's your, saying it happens randomly, sometimes months, sometimes days. But I do, however, never seem to be able to get logged in, stay logged into the website. Hmm. And I don't know if that's like my Google Chrome not possibly saving the password correctly, but I always have to log into the Tesla website to get an update on my Model 3, to which I will say there is no update. Oh. Nothing. Mel got a call. Oh. Yeah. From the guy tell at the Teslas. What would he say? They said, "Hey, where do you want to take delivery?" Yes, and he said, uh, "Right now, here, as close as possible." Did so, he give him their my three words? No, he didn't give him three <laughs> words. No, he didn't. No one even knows what that means because they haven't heard that audio yet. Okay, <laughs> maybe they've seen it on the Twitter. Anywho, <laughs> constant digression on this show is just mind-boggling. Now, what the hell are we talking about? Oh, he's going to take delivery delivery in the Marina Del Rey Ah. area. But what I will say to you is no one's called me. I will tell you this right now. If Mel, who configured two days after me, gets his Model 3 a half of a millisecond before Mm. I do, I'm going to lose it. Mm. Lose it, Robert. Well, that goes to show you the list keeper is... Drinking and doesn't work at NASA. <laughs> but what could be fun, imagine this scenario, Robert. You don't live very far from the Marina Del Rey. Not at all. Mel and I pick up our cars on the same day. Yes. With you in situ, as it were, with us. Yes. And then we just, the three of us, relive the delivery moment and then do massive video walkthroughs. So what I will say to all of the listeners out there, let us know via the Twitter, via the email. Yes. There's been a thousand Model 3 walkthrough videos of or this button and that button. Maybe a couple orders of magnitude or a couple, fewer. Maybe yeah. less than that. We are planning, possibly thinking about doing one of our own in our own, let's call it style. Yes. That we have. Je ne sais quoi. Should we do that for the people? Or should we not waste our time? <laughs> Will you watch it? Right. Let us know. Yeah, because it would be disappointing to get, you know, four yeah. views and then have them drop down to zero. Alan Honeyman uses Talking Tesla to get fit. This show is so long. This episode even longer, <laughs> which is not actually, but this episode even longer. He is using it. To become fit, and it is working for him. He's getting his blood pressure lowered. We say He's lost thank like you. F- close to 50 pounds. Yeah. That's right, buddy. Keep going, Alan. And, it's awesome. Uh, Good on you. Happy Hanukkah to you as well. Thank you for the warm wishes. Yes, because we are of Hebraic persuasion. That's right. I persuade Hebraics. I like it. I don't know what that means. Did you hear me? I threw the Canadian in there again. For Hebraic? No, forget it. Let's right. move on. No, I missed it. The next email message comes from James James Cuddy, who got an iTunes sticker. He got the review. He won the sticker for making the iTunes reviews. 
Ah. You know but what he I'm hasn't saying? gotten the sticker? I don't know. He said, I thought this morning when I was driving using navigation on the Model X, I had this thought, yeah. It'd be a great feature that when you're using the nav mm-hmm. and you don't want to annoy your passengers with the verbal turn-by-turn directions, yeah. that the steering wheel should vibrate. They call that haptics. Right. So, yeah. like, if you—but this is what I want to know. If you attach your watch to the vehicle via Bluetooth and you have turn-by-turn navigations, that's one of my favorite features of the watch is you get a little— The watch. So, you're talking Apple as watch. if everyone on the planet— Oh, I'm sorry. The Apple the watch. Apple not watch. the Pebble or any of those other Fitbit right. watches, but the Apple watch specifically. Specifically, if you have on your phone attached to your to your watch. Now, i got to go into this whole thing, Robert. Thank you very much. Three more no, minutes. No, that's a thank you very much, okay. Robert. I put my maps in, and as I'm walking down the street or driving down the street, my wrist vibrates every time there's a turn to be made, and I could just look down. Does it, doesn't it vibrate different if it's a left turn or a right turn? It does. Yeah. That is correct. So, so that would be cool if, like, the left side of the steering wheel went or the right side is uh, I think that's an excellent feature. Maybe next time you're driving in your car and what you do ad nauseum is make bug reports to send into Tesla about uh, it's 40 mile an hour, but I'm only doing 25 mile an hour. Please fix. Right. You're very, you're, very polite about you're on it. The talk, if you're on the Tesla autopilot team. Uh, and you don't know the sound of my voice already. Yeah. Shocking. You do from all the bug reports. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. There was, we were in the car for like four hours yesterday, probably all told, maybe more, yeah. maybe a little bit more. And Robert made no fewer than half a dozen bug reports <laughs> to Tesla via the steering wheel button, which I think is actually amazing. I think you all should do it. My guess is Robert has his own folder, maybe even his own employee over there working through his bug reports. You know, one of the hospitals I used to work at, we used to dictate our charts by just calling a phone number and dictating. <laughs> oh, that's cool. And when uh, one of my partners left the site, or long story short, he got a letter, mm-hmm. handwritten letter from one of the women who did the dictation, uh-huh. and they were assigned to us. So they got to know our speaking mm-hmm. patterns and such. Right. And she said that uh, this was like from Nebraska and we're in California. You, you know, I've worked, I've done this for years. You speak so nicely and you throw jokes in and I really enjoyed it. You are <laughs> one of the best dictators I have worked with. That's awesome. The next letter comes from Galen Reese about Tesla EV battery improvement message. Hey, guys, your show is the best. Another drop the mic moment for talking Tesla. Thank you very much, Galen. About all the talk about Tesla must be doing with battery tech to price their semi, don't forget the importance of the BMS. You know what the BMS is, Robert? Can you guess? Uh, Not the B-A-M-F? No. No. Battery management software. So he sent us an article from thedrive.com by a gentleman named Alex Roy. I read this article this morning. Very well-written article really talking about how all of the reviewers of the vehicle talking about, and myself, I'm guilty of a lot of this, talking about the fit and finish, the gaps in the doors. No one cares about any of that stuff, really. They want to know how does the car battery perform. And so Alex talks about all of that stuff. Thank you so much, Galen, for sending this. Check out thedrive.com. The Truth Behind Tesla Model 3 Reviews by Alex Roy. Very, very, very good article. Ah, uh, now a pre-launch email. Yeah, so uh, go ahead. So we got an email from Jonathan Nickel. Uh, this was before 
the launch event yesterday. So we're doing this time forward, backward. We kind of stressed about this on the yeah, video, we didn't sure we? Did, man. Yeah. So John sends us this email. Turns out he's a uh, emergency medicine resident at a hospital where I know people and we kind of bonded and he came out to the launch. This was all the way from like the Palm Springs area. Quite a commitment to That's drive cool. all that way yeah. when he could have stayed in Palm Springs and had an enormously relaxing uh, entire day and watched this amazing launch <laughs> from his backyard. Aww. It gets worse every time so you say it. Great to meet you, John. Uh, I would love to talk to your friend who works for an interesting uh, company working on the uh, boring loop-ish stuff. I won't say anymore. And maybe we'll have another story. To maybe change. we'll get a Patreon out of that bad boy. But, yeah, Ooh. we would love to love to love to have any conversations you can send our way. Doug Ingram, Maximizing Supercharger Output. He's talking about uh, trying to maximize how much charge you can get from the supercharger. Does it make a difference if you get to the pedestal, that is the, the supercharger plug closest to the actual cabinets that have the fans that are whirring, that mm-hmm. are converting the electricity into the way it goes into your car? Yeah. And he says uh, it could give you a little bit higher speed. And he also talks about... The 120 kilowatt hour of charge state that has sort of been magical for us and how the smaller batteries cannot reach that level. Yeah. So only the 90 and the 100 that you have. and, and But we'll see whether or not the 75 in the Model 3 will be able to reach that state of charge due to new design or new chemistry. That, I think, is still unknown, although... Did we read something about maximum charge rates for the Model 3s yet? Is it is no, it possible that it can reach in, this? Well, so we got to be clear. This is DC charging versus AC charging. Uh-huh. DC is what you get from a supercharger right. or a CCS or a Chatamo. Right, but I'm talking about, yeah, like the Model 3 on, on supercharger. supercharger. Do you think because it is a smaller battery, it will never be able to reach that 120 magical threshold? Yeah, maybe it'll only reach 110. We'll find out. As it is, you're only going to see that super high rate when your state of charge on your car Uh is fairly low when you reach the supercharger and the temperature is just right, etc. So, yeah. The next letter belongs in errors and omissions section. And since that's Robert's error and omissions section, I will, of course, blame him for this particular error. Episode 115, Robert mentioned, maybe it was Mel, it's hard to say, could have been me, I have no idea, but let's just assume for lack of knowledge (laughs) that it was Robert. (laughs) We mentioned that Mars has no atmosphere. Well, Mars has a very slight atmosphere, certainly not an atmosphere in which you can use parachutes effectively. Mm -hmm. That's why they've landed so many recent uh, satellite explorers, or I should say just explorer vehicles Mm -hmm. on Mars with a combination of parachutes. Rockets and balloons. Balloons. Yeah, that, that bouncy, bouncy, bouncy balloons. Exactly. So, how uh, the Tesla Roadster that Elon is going to <laughs> launch with Falcon Heavy? I hope he does. How it's going to land on Mars? I don't. I think it's going to be a R U D on Mars. We didn't even discuss Elon's pictures that he sent out about the Roadster attached to the fairing of the Heavy. Yeah, that's a perfect Twitter poll. But I saw this one woman was like one of the first to respond to Elon. And she said, Mm -hmm. how about feeding people first? And then another person after her. 
than, than spending, than a spending your money to launch your car into space. Oh, okay. I mean, that doesn't quite get at the reason why this launch is even taking place. But that's a good point. But at least he's not putting food on it and launching that into space that could be feeding somebody. I mean, that's a little snarky. True. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought another yeah. comment that I saw was that mankind can accomplish more than one goal at a mo- at a time. That's true. Yeah. We can do multiple things. We're good multitaskers because you know what? There's a lot of us. I still think it would have been much better mm-hmm. to hashtag launch Tom's car yeah. because we'd be getting rid of an ice car, not getting rid of an electric That's car. That's not quite as sexy. Can you imagine that? 25-year-old Lexus sitting in there, that would not have been quite as exciting, although maybe some Photoshop work needs to be done. (laughs) (laughs) Well, evidently, I don't know that uh, NASA or the powers that be have quite certified the launch payload yet, so we may see something other than a Roadster on that. But you saw that Photoshop picture. Somebody put the Blue Origin uh, capsule inside (laughs) the the fairing of the heavy. Uh, People are so funny. Owen Keen writes about a solar train from Australia. So this was, he sent us a link in renewaconomy.com about a Byron Bays. And it's the world's first solar train. They took an old dilapidated train, redid it, put some solar panels on top of it, threw a 77 kilowatt battery inside of it, put some solar panels on the station. And now this thing is making the trip. It's three kilometers, cost three bucks. Uh, to go each way on this thing, and it's all solar powered. Pretty it's cool. A beautiful. It's lovely. like Art Nouveau looking train. Yeah. It doesn't even have that many solar panels on it. No, so it has a hundred passengers. It can hold. It has a seventy-seven kilowatt hour Kokum battery storage unit on board, and it only uses four kilowatts for each one-way trip. And each station has solar panels, so they can charge it when it gets to the station. As Do we well. know how much it costs to take a ride on it? Three bucks each way. You said that, didn't you? I did, yeah. How far does it go? It goes three kilometers. I said that also. So it's that's, a three-kilometer so journey. Like 1.8 miles. Yeah. So not very far. No, but fun. If you're in that part of Australia, and I don't know what part of Australia Byron Bay is in, because, uh, again, American geography schools. I wonder how far this train could go mm-hmm. if they had more track. They probably need more batteries on it. Okay, so the next letter comes from Brandon Chisa, and he writes, Hey, guys, keep up the good work. I wish Mel was around to butcher my last name, uh, but I will settle for Tom's attempt. <laughs> uh, he called that out. Oopsie. I think I probably butchered that would be my guess. But, I think you know, Brandon is it, pretty easy to say. <laughs> I don't think that was the name. I'm almost positive you're not listening to the show right now as we're recording it. Well, this is another correction for me. (laughs) Nah, fuck. Don't. Don't. Okay. So anyway, it's it's a Norfolk and a question. The city is at the mouth of the Chesapeake Bay and is not only home to one of the world's largest naval bases and the largest shipyards, but more importantly, one of the largest ports on the East Coast. This port is where most of the U.S. coal is exported from. Just spitball in here, but it's a great staging point for Tesla semis on the East Coast. And maybe that goes to answer some of Robert's question, why Norfolk? And that's why Tesla was donating 100 destination chargers to the municipality to be placed in various public parking lots. Yeah. Maybe we can turn the folk in Norfolk. Wow. You just continue on with that, don't you? I'm 
I, I was going to try. Norfolk. And... You got to say Nafolk. it like that. Norfolk. Norfolk. Norfolk, Virginia. Norfolk, I... Chesapeake Bay. Norfolk, Massachusetts. Where's Norfolk? Is it Virginia? <laughs> I don't even know. Doesn't even say. We're out of control. <laughs> it's not in the Carolinas. No. It's Virginia. Norfolk, Virginia. Oh, my God. It now is Virginia. Just, how, I'm, 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 I sound like an time, idiot on this show. This whole time I'm trying to think, how would you say it if you're Canadian? <laughs> you wouldn't. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, Brandon has an actual question. Will Tesla Model 3 owners get a referral code and participate in the referral program? I don't actually know the answer to this question. I think they will get a referral code, but it will still only be for selling of an S and an X. I... My referral code is tied to the S. I'm assuming your referral code came because you have an S. So here's another question for the Tesla nation out there. If you have a Model 3 reservation, you have a Model 3, but you don't have another uh, Tesla. Tesla, do you have a referral code? I imagine that if you, you, you have to do is look on your phone to see if you have a referral code, if you are a new Model 3 owner. Yeah. And my expectation is you do, except the referral code will not work for the Model 3. Right. It'll work for just the expensive car. The S's and the X's. And only uh, until January 31st, thanks to Stephen Peters' update. Daniel Chiampe says, loves the podcast, but he needs help buying the Model S. While listening to episode 117, you mentioned offering advice on buying a Tesla. He's contemplated buying a Model S for the last 12 months. He's noticed incremental changes, particularly with the interior. Do you recommend a better time of the year to buy an S? Question one. Is there a particular time of year that Tesla applies significant changes to their interior? <sighs> He's aware that the key benefits of buying a Tesla are the incremental changes, particularly with OTA updates, but he's really more interested in the actual hardware. So have we noticed a bit of a pattern? What I will say is we were actually having this discussion yesterday as well because we spent so much time together. We think Tesla in 2018 is probably ready for a pretty good redesign of the S in general, maybe. Yeah, it looks like there's going to be likely interior changes that will match the Model 3. So they might even do away with binnacle display, Ooh. change the uh, change to a 15-inch horizontal screen. That would be a major refresh, but I, I can definitely see that coming if it works out well for the Model 3. Again, Tesla likes to use the same elements in different vehicles and yeah. basically not reinvent the wheel over and over again. It seems like Tesla comes out with a refresh of sorts, either the front end refresh or a change in battery or a change in performance after the quarter. So they typically are pumping to get deliveries at by the end of the quarter. Uh, again, they came out with the 100D in, in mid-January of last year. They came out with the front end refresh after the end of a quarter. So I'd say, you know, after the end of a quarter, but at the same time, they tend to raise the price at those times as well. And they also tend to change other like packages. So all of a sudden you're forced to pay extra for the one element that you wanted that before was not in a package, but now in a package. So I, does it, I think we're kind of splitting hairs. Yeah. The, there's not a great time to know, like there's no real, real pattern to that. But again, we think there might be a refresh coming. I'll tell you this, any Model S you buy, you're going to love. Yeah. And I'd say if you buy it before January 31st, you should use Tom's referral code so he can get his Powerwall. Yeah. What is it? Uh, Laney 9300. That's an easy number to remember. Yeah, it's pretty simple. 
James Reach. Yeah, he's talking about the Hyperloop test site in Quay Valley being finished. And he noticed there's been no press about a developer was planning a 75,000-home master-planned community on 120,000 acres of undeveloped land in Kings County, same place the Kettleman Supercharger lives, and was proposed to be called Quay Valley, California. The development would have made every home solar-powered, and Hyperloop Transportation Technologies had proposed to build a five-mile test track as part of public transportation for the proposed community. But on December 6th, the developer withdrew his application, and the community will never be built. Mm. Unless unless there's Hyperloop that can take people from L.A. or San Francisco to Quay Valley for, like, in 18 minutes, and you can be home in 18 minutes in the middle of California. Oh, amazing. We talked about this yesterday, too. If Hyperloop started to really take off and it was available anywhere— you could live almost anywhere in California, Central California, Eastern Central California, wherever you wanted if there was a Hyperloop there and be able to work in L.A. and get there in 18 minutes potentially. That would be pretty incredible. Yeah, it's sort of like the difference. Uh, you know, I'm looking back at New York City in the late 1800s when mm-hmm. they built the subway, yeah. which allowed you to travel um, otherwise un- unreal distances in a short period of time reliably, although you did have to sit with other people. And get to work. Uh, And this would be sort of like the 21st century version of that subway. Yeah. The next letter comes from Derek Hendricks, and he said he's not sure if you've got anything on this, but here's what he's got. He did the update on his Model S with the chill mode feature, and the next day his autopilot and cruise control started shutting down while in use. That's a terrible thing. Hopefully he noticed that it was happening. Clearly he did because he's still alive uh, after writing this. Yeah, but it says he needed a new fender camera and computer chip. Right, so he had to drop his car off at the service center, and the update turned on the fender cameras for the first time and it's likely that the camera was always damaged so that's kind of interesting so as more and more software gets updated and more of the hardware gets put into view we may start to hear more about sort of defective cameras from the get-go that's interesting thought process yes hopefully they'll be able to fix that with the rover service but that's interesting i haven't heard about it thanks very much derek for the update yeah no that's uh, that's very very interesting and something to look out for if you're about to update your s see what those you know if it's changed your autopilot you might be worth taking it in to have them take a peek at those cameras for you on the last week's show, Daniel Berman writes, there was a Grand Tour Tesla Model X review. We mentioned Jeremy Clarkson's negative review of the original Roadster. Season 2, Episode 4 of the new show will feature a review of the Model X P100D wow. to be released on the 29th of December. That's uh, Happy New Year, as it were. Yeah, that's just in time for our next recording. He revealed in the interview that he quite liked the Tesla, and he's a huge fan. Who's a huge fan? Daniel Berman is a huge fan of the Grand Tour and Tesla. So if we have a chance to watch the review and keep an open mind, <laughs> well, that might be a bridge too far, Daniel. Open mind is yeah. Not- it's not really what we do. Also, that's not super funny, keeping an open mind. All right, Robert, you interviewed a young man, a gentleman, a person, an individual who happens to have some interesting thing. What is that thing? What is he known and special for? Well, today that we're recording the show uh-huh. is Saturday the 23rd. Four days ago on Wednesday were the first deliveries of the Model 3 to non 
Tesla special circumstance individuals. Also to non-people in this room. Also to non-people, nor <laughs> Mel in this room. That is correct. And in fact, there is a YouTube out there. I don't uh-huh. have the link uh, handy here where mm-hmm. a fellow goes and picks up his Model 3 with his camera. And at that same facility, at that same morning, uh-huh. Wednesday, yeah. so did Gas Doc. Oh, Gas Doc is a fellow I was watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was watching all of the Tesla Motors forum uh, strings about like what's going on with Model 3, who's getting Model 3. I wanted to kind of deli- uh, talk about the first delivery of a Model 3. We talked yeah. last week about the fellow uh, Granite Heads who got it, but he's a cir- special circumstance. Correct, yeah. Uh, and I hope him well. I hope he has a good holiday and is really enjoying his red Model 3. But Gas Doc took delivery Wednesday, oh. and he uh, bought his car at the uh, or he put down his reservation at the beginning. He... Uh, also owns a Model S. He lives like right around the corner from the factory or Mm -hmm. works right around the corner from the factory. So he is sort of the ideal Tesla customer to deliver a Model 3 to. Yeah. He ticks all the boxes. He ticks all the boxes. And so we had a nice conversation. He gave me his insights. Awesome. But you did not ask him the one question I wanted you to ask him. Did he make his reservation in line? You mean like, did he stand in line? At the store as a Tesla owner, such as yourself, as it were. So you're trying to see like, is there something wrong with with me? (laughs) Exactly. Let's roll the tape. So I'm here with Vernon, who happens to be one of the very first to receive a Tesla Model 3. Uh, Vernon, you don't have any sort of special relations with Tesla? Uh, No, I mean, I driven the Model S now for a couple of years, and I bought some Tesla stock early on when I when I first got the Model S, but uh, absolutely no no insider connections, no no employee relationship or anything like that. So you are a bona fide non-Tesla special circumstance Model 3 delivery? I'm, I'm not a Tesla employee, and there were no special circumstances that, uh, that uh, led to my getting this car. So tell me, when you went to the delivery center, uh, did you notice that more than you were getting a Model 3 delivered? Um, I think the first thing I noticed was there was, there was quite a few Model 3s in the parking lot um, that were must have been employee cars because they weren't, um, you know, they were finished product and they weren't waiting to be delivered and they had, um, well, uh, looked like they'd been driven. So I think some of the employees there are driving them. Um, in the delivery center itself, um, I think I noticed three or four other Model 3s, um, of which I think two were delivered while I was there. And then the other two were kind of waiting to, for someone to pick them up. Did it seem like the folks who were making the delivery to you knew the car well? Um, yeah, yeah, my delivery specialist uh, was 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 great. I mean, he, he answered all the you know all the questions. He had a pretty polished uh, presentation that walked through the car. Um, and he did that with you individually. They didn't do sort of like a group setting. Well, my my wife and my family were, were with me as well, and the friend who drove us down there to uh, have the bottle we got ordered and wanted to, to sit in on it. Um, but it was just it was just our our car pickup that was getting the uh, the run through. How long would you say the run through took? Um, probably half an hour. I mean, I think we were there for maybe a total of, of 40 minutes. Um, you know, you, you get there first, they sit you down um, in the waiting area while they, while they go find your delivery specialist. And there's, uh, there's uh, a coffee bar with baristas there. There's that something called a, a ludicrous latte with four shots of espresso. Did you enjoy that? Uh, I didn't get that. I just had a, a, a regular espresso, but my friend got a, a ludicrous latte. Um, and then they get your delivery specialist out, um, and you walk to the, uh, the area with the cars where they have some tables and we sat down and, and um, 
when I did uh, paperwork, while the rest of the family kind of crawled around inside the car. So you've had the car now. It's been like 36 hours or maybe even less. I wonder if you found that there's anything you miss in the Model 3 that you have enjoyed in the Model S. Um, I wouldn't say I miss anything. I mean, it's obviously quite different. Um, it's, it's kind of eerie to look, to look down at the steering wheel and then see nothing but the, uh, the dashboard behind it, uh, especially at night when it's dark, just kind of staring at the darkness when you, when you see what you're, uh, when you're used to seeing you know, indicator dials. Um, but, uh, you know, all the information is, is right there, just a little off to the right. It's just, uh, you know, of course, I have it looking down. Um, and there's some, you know, little, little user interface things like the, uh, the way to turn on the autopilot is, uh, is with the right stock in the Model 3 and, uh, you know, it's a little stock on the left-hand side of the Model S. Um, so it's, it's little nuances like that, but uh, overall driving has been, uh, been a pleasure. Did you uh, uh, see anybody getting delivery with a big red bow on it? Somebody asked me that. No, you know, we asked about that, and, and Tesla says that, that Lexus owns that. Um, it's some kind of a trademark thing, so... I remember when I got my last Model S, um, I picked it up by myself, but there was a big bow on it. And uh, I guess they're forbidden from doing that now because of Lexus. Wow. So Ford has Model S, uh, Model um, E, and Lexus has the bow. That's, that's what they told me. How <laughs> um, not? So your family rode home with you. Did, how do they feel? Do they think that it's like as roomy as your S or as comfortable as your S? Um, I didn't ask them that. Specifically, but there was there were no complaints. I mean, I've got um, you know teenage teenage boys, and they were in the back seat, and they they didn't uh, they didn't squawk about it. Um, but they were they were used to riding around the back of my wife's Volt, so maybe that uh, maybe that's uh, definitely more roomy than that. So you're going to give this car to your wife to replace the Bolt? Uh, yeah, yeah, the Bolt. The Bolt. Yeah, this is my this is uh, the car for uh, for Marissa. Do you feel yeah. like an uh, eco celebrity now? Um. No one's noticed yet. Um, I mean, uh, some people at work, you know, wanted to take it for a spin yesterday when I was tied up, and I, I didn't see them to pick it out. And, um, one of my friends has a uh, Model 3 on order, and he's waiting for the dual-motor one, but he said after driving this one, he may just uh, cancel that order and, or change that order and move it up to whatever's available now. So how many miles have you racked up so far? Display here. So it's got 92 miles on uh, it, and it came to with 50. So I've racked up 42 miles. Not not that much. Nice. And your coworkers put on a few of those miles. Yeah, yeah. They took it for, for a spin on the freeway yesterday. So you're actually sitting in the Model 3 right now. I am. I'm looking at the big screen with the red car in it. What would you say? How would you sum up the car as you sit in it right now? As a Model S owner, I mean, I think it's, it's exactly what I expected. I mean, it's, it's a little smaller, but not noticeably so. I don't feel any, any lack of power, um, even though I drive a P85 as my daily driver. I think the only time I always feel a difference is when I was trying to do like, you know, jackrabbit starts. You know, any, any spot I see on the freeway that I, I can imagine myself getting into, I can step on the accelerator and, and be in that spot. So my, my driving expectation has been bad. It doesn't feel uh, you know, underpowered at all. And uh, size-wise, it's, uh, it's definitely smaller than Model S, but, but you don't really notice. I believe it does not come with uh, air suspension. No, it's got spring suspension. That's right. So um, the ride feels a little different on the freeway, but not uh, not markedly so. But you can't do things like uh, raise and lower it. It's pretty. Uh, it's well built, though. I mean, there's no crease around on the inside. I mean, when I'm on the freeway, all I hear is all I hear is the road. So there's no. It's definitely uh, 
together. I mean, when I when I picked it up, I, I went over you know kind of all the scenes uh, with a with a fine tooth comb to make sure that everything was uh, was fit fine. And um, you know, I knew they're they're building them perfect, or they're giving the new cars a lot of extra QA. Thanks, Vernon. That was great to hear from you. And I wish you a lot of good luck and fun in your car. <laughs> Thanks. Have a, have a good holiday. All right, there you have it. Talking Tesla one eighteen, fact filled, fun, quick. Speedy, happy holidays, everybody. Merry Christmas, happy new year. We will see you, hear you, hear from you next time. Yeah, which I think you'll hear next year. Next year, adios. Thanks, everybody. Gracias. Talking Tesla is a production of Fully Boo Incorporated, hosted by Mel Herbert, Tom Wolfson, and Robert Rosenblum, edited by Eliza Jane Barnes, and produced by C.C. Herbert and Mel Herbert. To support Talking Tesla, go to patreon.com forward slash talking Tesla. To find our referral codes, go to talkingtesla.net forward slash about. And finally, if you love the show, go write us a review on iTunes.